You glad to be in God's house? Good morning. My name is Jeff, and if it's your first time being here, maybe the first time in a long time, I want you to know I'm glad you're here. and I'm so thankful for just a, a, a body, a church. I, this week, I've, well, for several weeks now, I've just seen all of you just work so hard in preparation to serve some children. Sometimes children, they don't say thank you. That's a newsflash for all you. But, uh, but you know, we don't, we don't do it for recognition. We don't do it for any other reason than maybe, just maybe, through all of the silliness and all of the songs and the, the lessons that they will be taught Maybe, maybe one will come to know Jesus Christ. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. Every year we have children come to know the Lord and they get plugged into our children's ministry. And as we see every, every fifth Sunday, um, they, ain't, they ain't messing around down there. Amen. Amen. Yeah, they, they ain't just eating goldfish and stuff in their mouth full of marshmallows. Although, I would probably pay to see Ben do that. Now, they're learning on, they're learning truth. They're learning truth that I wish that I would have been taught. I wish I was receptive at an earlier age, Amen. So we do it for that, but I want to personally thank you if I don't get the chance other than VBS Sunday to tell you thank you and to, to see you and, and let you know that what you do doesn't go unnoticed. No matter what time of day you do it, there is no big volunteers and little volunteers. Time is the most precious commodity you got, amen. Thank you for giving of yours to the kingdom of God and the children of the Lord. Take your Bibles out, if you would, please, and find the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. I want to talk to you today about, I entitled this message today, Masterpiece. And I thought while I was at it, I would just put the definition of that term. Masterpiece. Someone's greatest piece of work. Masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Now you, got, <clears throat> you got two choices today. You can be all tired on me, which I know you are in body, but... Or you can help me preach this. <clears throat> you can do that even if you're tired. You say, Jeff, how do you know that? Well, I know that because last night me and, me and Tommy, we went down to the Rose Center and seen, um, who do we see? Judeski trucks. trucks. And, and here's what I know. <clears throat> People don't mind making a whole bunch of noise. Right. You're looking at one of them. Uh, <laughs> 
and and you know I, I can just stare at a guitar player for literally hours and um, what I've discovered <clears throat> being on the road playing music going to shows after shows after shows and recognizing that people will respond to things that move them. People will respond to things that resonate with them. If you're not familiar with, with that band, the guitar player used to play uh, with the Allman Brothers, and, you know, that they, they ain't nothing but groove. I mean, they're, if you can't feel that, um, I, I don't know, I'm a little concerned. I'll, I'm going to have Jeff go around and take your pulse. Oh, and, and it's just amazing to me to watch folks all of a sudden turn religious or, or kind of shut it down when it's time for the message or the time for... When, when Trey scales it back and just have a couple guitars and, you know, bass, whatever, it's funny, it's, it's funny how we, we don't want to... We sing lower. Anybody with me still? We sing lower. We do. Man, it's the message. It's the words. It's the truth that's in those lyrics. And I just believe that we as human beings, God has designed us to respond to things that move us. So I'm just going to pray today that something said will move your heart today. Masterpiece. Someone's greatest piece of work. From the moment that you and I are born, we have instilled in us, um, genetically, if you will, um, because of our forefather Adam, we, we, we have the desire to kind of create our own world. Or, or I should say, Create a world that serves us. Any parents in the house? That's all I need to say. It is all about your kid. To your kid. I don't even care if you have more than one kid. Each kid thinks it's all about him or her. Yes? Now, don't raise your hand. Don't elbow anybody. Don't say somebody's name. But we know some... Adults like that as well, don't we? <laughs> so somebody popped into your head immediately when I said that. And you ain't, and they're not budging. No, 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 no. Somebody has to relent before they will move. And it's because inherently we want to create our own world. We, we don't just want to create our own world, we want to run our own world. And, and, and you know, I, I get it. That's probably not the intention. You don't wake up in the morning saying that, you know, today I'm, I'm going to run my own world. You don't say that, and I, and I understand it. But it, it's one of those things, it's in us. I said it's in us. And that, and, and that desire to to call the shots and that desire to, 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 to run our world to the degree that we think we're defining our destiny. That's in all of us. And, and no one gets a pass on that because that is in all of us. 
Scripture teaches that. That's why there's a battle inside of you between your flesh and your spirit. Because we come into this world with the desire to create our own world and run our own world. If we're brought into the world and the first thing people want us to do is cry. Now, I get, I get why. I mean, I ain't that dense. Now, granted, I may black out during the whole thing, but I mean, I, I get it. Um, you know, we're, we're born crybabies. You can't deny that. <laughs> That's the problem. You're like, I don't wait. Yeah. We're, we're kind of born that way. And what happens is uh, over time, we, we kind of want our, our, our whims and our desires to be fulfilled. And I want you to understand that it, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. But what we've got to do is make sure they're in alignment with what God desires. And what God wants out of our life. Amen? So, so we've so we got to be careful because we are God's masterpiece. God's purpose in our lives is that we have a God-first mentality. I'll say it again. It's God's desire that we have a God-first mentality. Now, what you and I will struggle with until the day we are perfected and go home. By home, I mean heaven, not... 1124th drive, when, when, when we go home, up to that point, we have to battle not striving for a me world. It's a, it's a clash. It's a, it's a constant head budding. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a God. He desires a God first mentality but we struggle with a me-first mentality. Now, listen, here's what I know. I know it doesn't apply to anybody in this room. But just go with me so that the people that are going to listen via podcast, they, they're going I know you guys already got this. So just listen. Just listen and encourage me. And we'll, we'll go home here in a minute. You know, one of the hardest things to do as a Christ follower is once you become a Christ follower, is to willfully step down and off of the throne of your own life. It's one of the hardest things. We, we call it surrender. It's one of the hardest things to do. And it's hard to do because we have a me-centered mindset many times. And... Genetically speaking, we have been created to want to design and run our own world. And it's very, very hard. I don't think I would get anybody to argue with me on this. I, I, it's very, very hard to just let go. It's very, very hard to... 100% complete. See, there's this little A above the door when you came in. It's called authenticity. We, that's all still part of what we do and who we are. 
as part of our DNA. So if, if, this, if, you don't, if you're not down with this, just bear with us. I don't know. Do your checkbook or whatever you do. But I'm, what I'm saying is, is we all to some degree struggle with that because it's hard for us to give up control because we've all been hurt. We've all been hurt. But I would remind you today, and I'm reminding myself, and I was reminding myself even as I kept reading Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 over and over and over and over again the last couple of weeks. I was reminded that I am someone's greatest piece of work. Now you might say, oh, you're a piece of work, all right. But now, but now I, want you, I want you to understand that I am someone's greatest piece of work. And, and, and before you leave thinking I just was a, an arrogant cuss, you need to understand you are someone's greatest piece of work. You're a masterpiece. I don't feel like a masterpiece. God didn't ask you. He didn't ask how you felt about the whole thing. He just didn't. The truth of the matter is, we need to stop giving into our pride and start lifting our hands in surrender to the Lord. Amen. This was God's plan from the beginning. He wanted obedience and he wanted surrender from Adam and Eve. And we could just go story, 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 story all through the scripture. And most of you in here know most of those stories. But it isn't until that obedience and surrender is one realized and two, acted upon that we, under, we, we fully get to live that abundant life. You are someone's greatest piece of work. Today, I, I pray that you come to a realization that you're not the king of your world. Jeff Burke's not the king of his world. It took a long time for me to understand that. And I thank God for a wife that was patient with me until I did get it. Amen. And children that were patient with me while I did understand that. I'm not the king of my world. Furthermore, I'll suggest he ain't done with me yet. So I, I have that realization. I have that revelation. And as I continue my walk with Jesus, I got to understand that it is a process. Everybody say process. process. I want you to get that. It's, it's a process. And this process means that God is still developing me and making me into what I have been, by his design, what I have been called and destined to become. It's not just me, it's you as well. And as I close this message, I'll, are you on Ephesians 2? Let's, let's read one verse. Ephesians 2, verse 10. Your Bible and my Bible says this. We are God's masterpiece. 
We are God's masterpiece. You, me, God's. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. We are God's special piece of work. And he has created us brand new in Christ Jesus. So, so that means he, he had a reason. And, and, and this is what I want you to get today. So, so as a close, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Sometimes I think we read the scriptures too quickly. Would you join me in saying this verse aloud? Feel the weight of it. Just read it off the screen. And feel something begin to resonate inside of you as a deeper understanding because of the power of the Word of God either reminds you or informs you for the purpose of transforming you that you're a masterpiece. Read it with me. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this truth. I thank you, God, for the cross and the empty tomb, the picture that Trey painted for us. Oh, what a price you paid to make me a special piece of work. I thank you. I give you praise. I give you honor. I pray that men and women will just feel this, own this, remind themselves of this, because this is how we continue to grow in the image of our King, Jesus. And the church said, Amen. God bless you. You know, <laughs> I own every season of Colombo. Um, you know, here's, here's the thing. I, that's the end of the message. Let's go back to the beginning of the message real quick, if that's okay, because we have to understand how we got here. Yes? We've got to figure out how... We, <laughs> 
I'll, I'll let you catch up to me because you... We got to understand how we became God's masterpiece, his special creation. Again, we've got a challenge. We've got a challenge before us. The challenge that we face in coming to terms with the fact that we're God's workmanship is that it's going against every bit of pride and every, that, that, whether you know it or not, that is the sin that doesn't let you and I see our sin. And, and, and this surrendering just goes against everything that's in us. That's why there's such a freedom in surrendering. Because, you know, deep down we believe we are responsible for our successes. Come on, somebody. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that you didn't do the right things and, and you didn't make good decisions. I, I'm not implying that at all. But hear me, please. Some of the most powerful people in the scriptures, the smartest, the, the, the best at what they did, when they took things into their own hands, it didn't turn out well. That's why we need to ask for the potter's wheel. And it, the, the thing about pottery, which I, I, I only know when I watch the guy do it, um, several different places. The first time I seen somebody do it was at that park up in Huber Heights where we used to take the kid and they buy candy for a penny. And that's, that shouldn't be there. Because that adds up when you're doing it at a penny at a time. That's not important right now. But, but when I seen, you know, they're making the pottery, you know, they're doing, and if there was anything in that as the wheel's spinning and the hands of the potter are, are, are squeezing it at the right place, pushing it out a little bit here and a little there. When it wasn't turning out the way he thought it should, the potter would take that clay and... That's why I love the word in the verse we read anew. I love that verse. Lo love that verse, yes. But I love that word anew. I love it. I love it. Look. He has created us anew. The, we've got to be comfortable not with the process of being crushed because nobody's comfortable with that. I don't care who you are or what you say because that's no fun. But we've got to be comfortable with the surrendering part so that we can become the greatest me I can become and you can become. Are you feeling me? Okay, so, so to become God's masterpiece, there's a process that is involved. And we've got to remember, we didn't make ourselves, God made us. Therefore, we need to work off of God's blueprints. God had a specific set of blueprints for Jeff Burke, and he's got a specific set of blueprints for everybody in this room. Amen. There's a specific set of blueprints. Well, I'm so you know what? I'm not liking my set of blueprints. I will remind us again. God didn't ask us what we wanted to be when we grow up. God knows based on how he created us, how we could be the most impactful in the kingdom of the living God. He knew that. Therefore, there are blueprints that we should work off of God made us, we didn't make ourselves. 
My father was a master carpenter. I worked with dad quite a bit. Um, when I first, you know, every summer you worked, you worked, I worked with dad. Realized real quick, this is hard work. Got to be an easier way to make money. And all I did was push a broom and fetch a tool that really didn't exist. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not bitter. I'm trying to get over it. But there's a route that takes hold every now and again when I'm reminded, Dad, either call it what it's called. Don't have these little nicknames for your tools. Dad would send me after his handy dandies. What in the cat hair is a handy dandy? Well, it happens to be an adjustable jaw wrench, for those of you that don't know. Dad would lay the blueprints out. My father had a sixth grade education, and he was a genius. He could read blueprints better than he could read English. He would look at the blueprints. What Daddy never did was Daddy never said, once the homeowner approved the blueprints, you know what? Jeff, I don't like this. Let's, let's take the wall out here, and, and let's take the wall out here. And you know what? We're going to make an addition back here, and we're going to add this to the big picture. And we're going to, and, and you know what? There's no need for this. They don't really need this. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't need a rec room. They got too much recreation that it is. So you know what? Let's just turn, we're going to turn that into a study. So we're just going to move that out of the way. We're going to put this over here. Dad wouldn't be on the job very long. What Dad understood and what I'm learning to understand and what I'm trying to convey to you today with the best of my ability is because we are God's masterpiece, because we are someone's special creation. There's a blueprint for our life. And as I closed the message with the ending, you are a masterpiece. Embrace that. Stop running from that. Stop Letting the voices in your head remind you of what you were. And work off of God's blueprints. Jeff, if I knew what God wanted me to do. The, 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 you, we're not talking about life callings here. What we're talking is about is you becoming the best you as God has designed it. And all through Scripture, it says, and this is God's will for your life. And this is God's will for your life. And this is God's will for your life. That's the blueprints. And this is God's will for your life. He's not, he's not going to give you plans to build something before you can't get... And before I can't get the little parts right. It's many times... Because of God's workmanship in our life, because we are his masterpiece, and he's got the plans, and all of our efforts will fail if they are not in accordance to his plans. We can't remake ourselves. I believe this is one of the reasons why people are so self-condemning. 
in their mind, what they want to do is, <clears throat> this is, this is my opinion, you don't have to listen to this. But experientially, I'm, what I'm telling you is, after talking with hundreds and hundreds of people, what I've learned is, if they put themselves down and then they start over, they feel like it's a new. And so they continue and they, you know what, bam, I'm, I'm useless, I'm no good, I'm, 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 and they just start reminding God of a bunch of stuff. And, and then they, they start again, but nothing's really changed. You're still walk, working, rather, off of the old Jeff blueprints, not God's blueprints. Because it's a God-centered world, not a me-centered world. Consider Abraham, if you would, please. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, your Bible says, Now the Lord has said to Abram, later named Abraham, Get out of your country. Well, that's an intro and a half, isn't it? God said to Abraham, Get out of your country, leave your family. Leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. Verse 2, please note. I, I, God said, I will make you a great nation. God says, I will bless you. God says, I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. God's still speaking, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Seven promises are given in that short passage. Seven. Seven promises. You can look it up. I don't care what version you read it out of. There's seven promises. One was that his name would be made famous. Now, how was his name going to be made famous according to God? Because Abraham was pretty famous as it was. So if you use the template of Ephesians 2.10 and lay it over this passage, what God is saying is you, 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 have, got, you have got a framework built. You've, you've used some blueprints and, and you're wealthy. You're established. I would even say famous or well-known at the least. But what God needs from you and I is the complete obedience, even when we don't understand it, so that we know we're working under God's blueprints and not our own. So Abraham had to do everything mentioned in these scriptures, but now get this, but he had seven promises to hang his hat on. Amen, Jeff. That's, you got to get that. That's important. His name was made great not because of who he was. It wasn't because of he was distinguished. It wasn't because he had a bunch of land. His name would be made great because he heard the voice of God and he was faithful and he moved when God said, move. And he did what God told him to do. Now, you Bible scholars are all telling me how he messed that up.
on this wheel again. We, we'll get you there, Abraham. We'll get you there, Abraham. We'll get you there, Jeff. We'll get you there. We'll get you there, Ryan. We'll get you there. We'll get you there, Rob. We'll get you there. And you know the rest of the story. The revelation is not what made Abraham great. It was who made Abraham great. Because there's a huge, huge difference because we are God's workmanship, not our workmanship. We didn't call our names before the foundation. I'm about to preach it. We didn't call our names before the foundation of the world, did we? No. We didn't create ourselves and then, and then save ourselves. We, we didn't make our own blueprints for our life. And, and we don't have the freedom to modify them as we go. We don't. It's my desire today to get you to see that you are a masterpiece. You have a future. That's why I started with the end. If you're taking notes, take your worship guide out, flip it over from the beautiful picture on the front, and write this down. We were, Jeff was, and you was. It's the only way I can get you to remember stuff. We were a blank canvas. We were a blank canvas. Now, I need your attention for just a second, please, real quickly. I gotta, I've, I've got to do a little PSA here. Um, if you're here and you are not a Christ follower, for the next few minutes, you're going to get extremely uncomfortable. I want you to know that I'm not saying things to try to make you feel bad so that you run to the altar to get quote-unquote saved. Because if you come... Because I've made you feel bad, we've, we've wasted both of our time. But you're going to hear some things that maybe no one's ever told you before. And I want you to understand, and the reason I have all the verses on the screen behind me is so that you understand, I'm not saying any of this. God is saying it. And I'm just asking you to receive it. But I don't want you to be sitting here and feel like it's just like the church you were at when they kept telling you how bad you were. That's not what I'm doing. I'm letting you know how bad I was. And if it happens to fit where you are, don't reject it. And receive it, please, as coming from a heart of love. And it's a message from the king. Amen? And if you've not been saved for a very long time, I pray you learn something today. Because you're a masterpiece. We were blank canvases. Look with me in your scriptures. Let's read in context so that we can feel all of it. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you, read this with me, he made alive. I'll let you say it again. And you, he made alive. He made alive. He made alive. He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Again, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you just discounted that because you're like, dude, I'm alive. My lungs are filling up with air. I, I pinch myself. I'm good. Well, well, what God has done is he's given you another chance. 
Because what this verse is talking about is you're spiritually dead. No, I'm not spiritually dead. I'm a very spiritual person. We got to work off of God's blueprints. Continuing, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that would be the devil. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Somebody say amen. amen. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Who are the others? The others are all the folks who did not know Jesus Christ. All of the people in history, biblical history, extra-biblical history, all the people in recorded history that shook their fist to the sky and said no to the drawing of the Spirit of God to become a child of God, you can't have it both ways. You are either a child of wrath or sin or you're a child of God. Amen? When I was a kid, man, growing up, and again, it's not about me. I just know me. I know you too, but you probably don't want me telling your story. You're welcome. When I was a kid, the church I was raised in, Pastor John Daly was his name. Some of you know him, knew him, excuse me. Pastor John Daly would get up, or my dad would, would do this. We'd have testimony nights. Testimony nights. I ain't gonna lie. I learned way more about people than I ever needed to know as a kid. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I didn't need to know you robbed a carryout. Could have went my whole life and not known that. Didn't know you were doing time. People would give their testimony about their salvation. Now, 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 hear me, please. But they would all start at the same place. Jeff, where would they start? They would start by telling what we just read. Now, this is important because I'm, I'm, I'm not making light of or making fun of testimony night. I'm, I've been reminded by God that Every time someone would, give, would truly give a testimony and not do it for themselves or for show, somebody help me here. Okay, when the people are truly given a testimony, they always start with this. They always start with what they were. They always start with, if you will, how bad they were. It's how Paul starts Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. God. He reminds us all of how ugly we really are before Christ. Again, again, non-believer, please hear me. I'm begging you, hang with me. Hang with me here. You who prayed a prayer when, when you were five and you've lived like hell ever since, stay with me. Stay with me. Because you've been hanging your hat on a nail that ain't going to stand when the world ends. Yeah. 
We need to remember where we came from. We need to remember what God delivered us from. Now because of where we were and who we were, we are to God a blank canvas. But we were dead in sin. We felt alive, but we weren't. And you and I both know that it doesn't mean the physical death, although it, through Scripture we learn it will lead to a physical death. But it's a spiritual death. It's a spiritual death. And I know it's a, it's a graphic picture sometimes to get in your mind because the, even the word dead can conjure up things. I've done a lot of funerals, man. And even the word dead, in our mind, it conjures up that which was. It conjures up coldness. It conjures up in our mind the colorless, lifeless man suit that we were in while we lived here below. We were dead in our sins. We were spiritually dead in our sins. Now Paul's audience wouldn't have got the churchy picture of being spiritually dead, but they would have totally got the picture of being physically dead. Just from the sheer fact of how they did their funeral services, they, they would have had the body of someone who passed on. They would have had that body open where people could see it for days. The word dead here just literally translated just means separation. Separation. In context of our verses, it means we were separated from God in our trespasses and sin. We were separated from God. Anybody in the house glad that God didn't give up on them? My God, I God cannot and He will not coexist with something that is against His nature. I'll say it again. God cannot and will not coexist with something that is against His nature. That separation from God as I realized, as, after I got older, that was what those elder saints, that's what they were talking about when they were giving their testimony. They weren't doing it to paint an ugly picture. They wanted to communicate, this is what I was. I, I was a blank canvas 
that was dead inside. And I was dead because of the separation between me and God. So this is why God had to provide a solution to the problem. His name is Jesus. We sang about him earlier. See, Jesus was without sin. I said Jesus was without sin. And if, if you've got somebody in your life that's telling you that Jesus wasn't God, feel free to give them my email. I'm not going to hammer them. I promise you I won't. But I will sit down with them and through Scripture show them that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And 100% perfect. And 100% free from sin. Listen, we needed a pure sacrifice to be covered. We needed a pure sacrifice to be... If, 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 if you've been in church long, you know the story of the Passover, right? You've got to have the perfect lamb that needed to be slain. And the blood needed to be shed so the death angel would pass over your door. You're familiar with that, right? Yes. I want you to notice how Paul strategically causes us to look backwards to before we were saved. So if you're here today and you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, just be reminded of who you were and feel free to shout till the windows blow out. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, my assignment today is to be completely honest with you. Here's the way Paul tries to bridge the gap. Verse 2. In which we walked, we once walked according to the course of this world. In other words, you weren't using God's blueprints, you were using yours. You were running with the masses, not against According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. In other words, do you see that you were dead, walking around dead, getting a job dead, getting a college degree dead, getting married dead, having babies dead? Because of separation between you and God. You're like, man, it's, you're going you're gonna to have to modernize this up because the, the world ain't going to hear a message like that. Oh, you have no idea how hungry they are to hear a message like this. See, that's the problem. Everybody thinks we're okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. But God. He's wanting us, Paul, that is, he's wanting us to realize that without Jesus, we're not living at all. So, it... It causes us, knowing that, it causes us to drive ourselves to things that make us feel alive. We will turn to things like sex and drugs and alcohol, our careers, our fake friends. Uh, It's it's, it's just endless. We, We turn to things that are, we hope will fill the void that we're feeling Because we know there's separation. Listen, listen. There is a measure of faith placed in every human being that has ever been born on this planet. That measure of faith is in there so that when the Spirit of the living God 
draws you and calls you, that measure of faith is like, whoop, 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 whoop. You need to listen to this. Without that measure of faith, it would go in one ear and out the other. But with that measure of faith that we all have when we're born, that's what draws us to Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what fills the void. Now, 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 draw your attention again to the phrase, according to. According to. According to. In Ephesians 1, 4, it says, before, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. We'll say it again. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Jesus Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, you've got to hear me. That's his blueprint. His blueprint is, I'm going to create you to live a holy life And when it comes the big day, as it were, when I look at you, there will be no fault. And you're like, I'm out. I'm out. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I'm out. There's no way now that I can ever be a Christ follower because of my fault. I want to remind you that Jesus Christ died on a cross. His blood was shed. He gave his life so that your sins would be forgiven, your faults would be forgiven, your trespasses would be forgiven. Everything that you and I did wrong before, during, and after coming to Jesus has been covered. And because it's been covered, you can come before Jesus faultless. Faultless, because he looks at the blood. He doesn't look at you. He don't look at me. I don't care how pretty you are. He ain't looking at you. He's looking to see his son. And the mark that his son left on you and me, and that is his blood. Are you with me so far? Look at the phrase according to in the scripture. It's a musical term. It literally means a harmonious blending of notes. A chord in perfect Tune. Now, Jeff, why, why did you bring that up? Throw me Ephesians 2, 2 back up there, please. Go back a verse or a couple. In which you once walked in perfect harmony with the course of this world. You once walked hand in hand, melodically, in perfect timing harmoniously with the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. It's God's design that we walk according to God's blueprint for our life. It's God's design that we walk according to His Word. It's God's design that we walk according to how He designed us, how He made us, and the destiny that He placed in our life. Amen and amen. But I want you to notice, please, That we are hearing through Scripture that our responsibility is to be perfectly aligned with God and what He has chosen for us. But before we come to know Him, hear me. You and I walked hand in hand with our enemy. here today 
Jesus is not the Lord of your life. And you've never had that life-changing moment. You didn't hear me say you didn't have a great feeling. You didn't hear me say that. What you heard me say was a real conversion experience when the great exchange took place, when Jesus took your sin and recovered you with His righteousness. Until that point, you walked harmoniously with the devil. Hard to grow a church that way, preacher. Hey, man, I'm, I'm trying to grow people. We, 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 we bought a building that seats more because we all realize that it, we ain't got as much time as it has been. So when the harvest comes, we need a place to put their bottoms. It's called faith. It's believing in your purpose and your calling. Are you still with me? So you're walking in unity with the evil one. And, and there is a danger that you and I face if we're unsaved. And that is the enemy will try to convince you you're okay because of things that you do. I love the prophet Isaiah in 64.6. Familiar verse. I know you know it, but let's read it. We are all infected and impure with sin. Anybody? We are all infected and impure with sin when we display our righteous deeds. They are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Is that truth or is that a lie? And what the prophet is trying to say to us is that I don't care how good you are, I don't care how many people you feed, I don't, I don't care. God says about what you're doing, if what you're doing is not the blueprint of my life, at the end of the day, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. This is why very successful, influential people are hard to win to Jesus. They don't need Him. That's why they need to hear, hey, Bob, nice bank account. Praise the Lord. He reigns on the just and the unjust. He blesses the saved and the unsaved. You just don't know it. But bigger than your bank account and bigger than your cars and your boats and you fill in the blanks, bigger than that is the reality that you are lifeless inside. You are dead in your sin. And when you're dead in your sin, the enemy is calling the shots in your life and you are programmed and you don't even know it and I didn't know it until I came to know Jesus. We are programmed to oppose God, resist His Son and walk in alignment with the world. I 
I know I heard it years ago from Leonard Ravenhill. And he asked the question, Oh, you say you're saved? What are you saved from? What are you saved from? So I did, as I do regularly, an impromptu polls. Folks I know who are Christ followers that, that know they're not going to get a lecture if they answer wrong, quote, unquote. I just want them to be honest. And when they answer honestly, overwhelmingly, the majority of people, when I, when they, when I know they're Christ followers and I ask them, what are you saved from? What do you think they say? They say they're saved from hell. Saved from hell. Hell. Now, you and I have, who have walked with the Lord a little bit longer know that, man, no, no, I was saved from walking with the devil. I was saved from trying to fill that void with things that were unpleasing to God and were killing my life and my relationships and my family. But we need to mature past that. We need to mature past the I'm saved from hell part because that's not why Jesus died. He didn't die just so you wouldn't go to hell. He died so that you could be in a relationship with him and his dad. That's why he died. So let's unpack this key thought if you'll give me a few more minutes, you can't appreciate the significance of salvation without understanding what you've been saved from. I'm going to let that just sit there for just a second. Christians, Christians, devour this. When God gave me this, I wept. Those, those of you in the room that were raised up in church, you need to eat this up, chew it, swallow it, digest it, throw it up, and eat it again. Because you need to hear me. We need to know what we were saved from. And the answer isn't hell. And if you can say, I've been saved from my attitude, I've been saved from my sin, I've been sa-, then every time that raises its ugly head, whatever that is that you've been saved from, when it raises its ugly head, it should drive you to your daggone knees. Because you were saved from it, why did we go back? Fair question. This is in your worship guide. Listen, I want you to, I don't care where you stick it, you need to be thinking about this every single day. You can't appreciate the significance of your salvation without understanding what you've been saved from. So consider the fact that we're dead in sin, we are a blank canvas. If you're taking notes, we were a blank canvas, but we became a masterpiece. We were a blank canvas, 
we became a masterpiece. Ephesians 2. Verse 4 and 5 says. No. Are you, I, I, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. That'll lay me up for about two weeks. We, we were dead in our, no, I speak against that. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but now get this. Is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you have even been saved. <laughs> We were dead. We were a blank canvas. And he wanted to make a masterpiece. So in his unbelievable, inexplainable mercy, listen, he loved us so much that even though we walked hand in hand in perfect harmony with the enemy of God, he showed us grace. And made his masterpieces. We. We do it a lot around here. And, I, and, and you, we didn't invent. God wrote those two words. But God. I, I didn't write those. And we say that a lot. But now. Keeping in mind the key thought that to fully understand the significance of your salvation, you have to understand what you were saved from. Now the but God carries more weight. Because as you think about what you've been saved from, it reminds you, were there not a but God, you would still be a blank canvas. You'd still be dead in your sins. Jeff would still be dead in his sins. But God, we were nothing but God. We were a blank canvas, but God. We were the walking dead, but God. We were lost and going to be separated from God forever, but God. We found nothing to fill our emptiness, but God, man. We had no comfort in this life, only pain, but God. We had no, ex no escape from our generational hell because of Adam. We had no escape from the generational hell because of parents, grandparents. You fill in the blank. We had no escape from the generational things, but God in all of his mercy gave his son so that this blank canvas can become a masterpiece. Whether I feel like it or not. It's time for the church 
to rise up to what God has made in his blueprint for you and I to become. Come on, somebody. Help me with this. You need to become the masterpiece God has designed you to be. So when, when God laid that sentence on my heart, and I, I put the key thought part in there because I want you to give that much thought. He said this. Next slide. Here's what he said. In the process of salvation, there is a moment when everything comes together and you recognize two truths at the same time. Are you still with me? In the process of salvation, you and I get a revelation that there are two truths that simultaneously <clears throat> collide at the exact same time. Truth number one you see on the screen. You cannot fill the chasm of emptiness on your own. Some, you cannot fill the chasm of emptiness on your own. And that collides with, but God can. And when that collides, now you understand a little better why we should appreciate the cross. Why we, we, we are absolutely crazy acting when it comes to the empty tomb. You begin to understand why you get convicted when you say things, do things that aren't like Jesus would do. You understand that. You understand that better because you have came to a realization that you had a hole that God could, that, that nobody could feel, feel. The sex couldn't feel it. The, the needle couldn't feel it. The alcohol couldn't feel it. My God, nothing can feel it except God. And when we understand that, it brings us to life because we were dead. 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 Dead, 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 dead. D-E-A-D, dead. We were dead. I want you to think back to when you were made alive. You still with me? Think back to when you were made alive. I'm going to close. Think back to when you were made alive. I like legit. I'm going to close. Now you're like, well, you lied to us last time. Think back to when you were made alive. Do you know that you received all? You received all the blessings of God when that great collision took place. Your Bible words it like you have received every spiritual blessing upon that time when you were forgiven for your sins. Think back to when you came alive. Think back and let it remind you that he chose you. You didn't choose him. Let that remind you that he made you holy and blameless. We just got to live that way. 
You know, there's a lot of people trying to blame you. There's a whole lot of people trying to blame me. I'm just letting you know, you ain't out of the woods either. They might not say it to your face, but they're blaming you for something. In the love of Jesus, knock yourself out. He said, Jeff, don't that bother you? Yeah. And then, while praying that it doesn't bother me, I remember there's a collision that took place. And the chasm that I had that needed man's approval met head on with the grace of Almighty God and the sting goes away. The sting goes away. Think about when you came alive. When God started to work on that masterpiece, He reveals His wisdom and His revelation to you when you come alive. He lavishes His love on do you come on. He gave His son. Don't raise your hand. Do you ever feel, I don't know what the word, guilty, I don't know what the word is, bad when you go to God and ask Him for something? Because He gave everything. And when we said yes to Jesus, He gave us everything. I, I, I just hope you're hearing it. We think about this, think about this, not just as I say it, we think about this as your day and your week goes on. It must sadden God. Hey dads, you'll feel me on this one. Hey grandpas, you'll feel me on this one. It must sadden God to go through what he went through to empower you and I, to enable us to live in victory, only to have us live weak, faithless, complaining lives. Dads, Doesn't that make you feel? You want to go to your kid and remind them how many hours you work. You want to go to your kid and remind them that you live here for free. <laughs> you, want to, you want to go to them and tell them everything you've done. But you don't. It must pain Jesus to hear us pray for things we already have. I'm just asking you to think. I'm just asking you to think. It must pain him when he sees us fret over problems he's already fixed. We just have to walk according to the blueprint that he's given us 
wonder how it makes him feel when, when we look up to the heavens and in desperation say, God, you've got to do something, when the fact of the matter is, a little over 2,000 years ago, he did something. Amen. And all he's waiting on is for us to say yes to the something that he did. That's how you become a masterpiece. Would you agree that, don't raise your hand, would you agree, and if this doesn't pertain to you, man, I, I, guilt's not a motivator. I'm not trying to make you, I'm not manipulating you in the least. Please understand that. It may sound that way, but that's not what I'm doing. Would you say there's something in your life, don't raise your hand, please, that through the power of God, you need delivered from? You need delivered from it. And, and, and you know, man, I could go down a list. I could just give you my list. But we got to go. There are things that everybody under the sound of my voice, starting here, that you just need completely delivered of. I've been known. <clears throat> been known a time or two to do a little shopping online. <laughs> Is she looking at me? I'm not, because I'm not going to look that way unless I, <clears throat> I'm not looking, bro. No, I can't make eye contact. <clears throat> Most of what I order, I mean, unless it's, you know, a little bigger, is delivered to me by the United States Postal Service. T-shirts, I got a couple of those. But some things have to be delivered by FedEx or, you know, UPS or IPS. Thank you, it took you a little longer than I hoped. Some things have to be delivered by special delivery, if you get it. And this is a true story, and it's happened more than once. Does it frustrate you a little bit when you get home from work, super stoked about the package that's on its way, and you find a yellow note on your door? Does anybody else want to kick the cat? I say that because we don't have a cat. I wouldn't kick it if we did. I think you get my point. On that piece of paper, man, this is so vivid to me when I first thought of this and felt horribly bad about it and then got a revelation from it. When you first read that note, my first thought was, it says here, we could not deliver. Yeah, you could, bro. You were here. 
You were here. You were on site. You were in my driveway. You were at my door. Yeah, you could have. You could have delivered it. You could have. I have no wall built around my house. I'm, I, I ain't saying nothing. Not only were you there, you came prepared to deliver. But the reason you couldn't wasn't your fault, delivery dude. The reason you couldn't deliver was because I wasn't positioned and available to receive deliverance. I wasn't able. You did your part. You drove the big brown truck. You did your part. You came to my address. You walked up my driveway. You rapped on the door. And you had to leave a note. And put the ball back in my court. Because you were prepared to deliver. But I wasn't in a place to receive. See, deliverance as Christ followers and even those of you in the house that need to know Jesus as your Savior and forgiver of your sin. Deliverance. It's a two-way street. There has to be a deliverer that has something that you want, need, whatever. You've got to have a deliverer that's in play, and then you have to have a receiver. Fair? The deliverer did his part. I didn't do mine. So what I'm asking of us today as masterpieces in progress when you look at the blueprint that God has for your life and you might only know the next step But you know when it's the wrong step. So when you look at the blueprint of your life, in order to operate in that and with God, in step according to God and not according to the world, when you walk in step with that, if there's something that keeps you from owning that blueprint loving that blueprint, walking in it with confidence, if there's something that's holding you back from that, you need it delivered. You just do. And here's what I know. The deliverer is here today. No, he is. And for some of us, it's a, he's, he wants to deliver 
A package called salvation. When that big collision happens. When that big empty chasm that you have collides with God's great mercy. For others of us, it's, we've got the blueprint. And man, uh, we, we, we've almost got it, but there is that thing. There is that anger, that unbelief. There is that unforgiveness. There is that bitterness. I don't know what it is. But I'm believing what God says about me. I am a masterpiece. And I'm believing what God says about you. You are a masterpiece. And the only thing in the way is believing those two words. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have that you have just made yourself known here today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to speak to our hearts in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Staying in an attitude of prayer. When I was in my office right before I came out here and worshipped with you guys, I was praying to the Lord. Like, God, I've been praying for two weeks. How, how am I supposed to end this message? I don't... Man, I've got a lot of cans of worms opened here. How do you want me? He said, say two things. If you're here today, and you know that you're a blank canvas because you have not fully surrendered, to the great creator, the great artist, Jesus Christ. You know that. If you know, you know the blueprint of your life is not being followed. You know that. The deliverer is here today. And if you are here and a believer in Jesus Christ, the follower of Jesus Christ, you would say you are saved. But you're battling. You're battling with feeling like you're a masterpiece. The reason you're battling is because you need delivered. If that's you, I'm going to ask you out of love. You know I, my agenda is never to embarrass, but this is, this is how God told me to end it, and I'm not arguing with him. I'm asking you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you know there is something that is going against your blueprint for your life, and you need it taken away today, now, the deliverer is here. Will you stand to your feet so that we can pray a prayer together and come into agreement together and let Jesus do what he came here to do? Who is it 
today that needs that deliverance. Just thank you, dear. Who else? Thank you, baby. Who else? In the back, thank you, son. In the back, thank you. Thank you, sir. So much respect for you. Who else? Who else? I know. I know. I know. I know. I get it. I get it. Thank you, dear. Who else? I know I follow Jesus. God bless you, honey. I know. I know. Listen, I believe I gave him a life, but I didn't give him all of it because there's this thing that keeps coming up. And it's a smudge on my masterpiece. And I need Jesus to start kicking that wheel again and form me into what he's designed. Five seconds, anyone else? Just remain standing. Thank you, dear. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Father, I come before you in humility. Oh, but Lord Jesus, I come with boldness because you said I could. Lord, me screaming that things that need delivered don't do any more good than you just doing what they've allowed you to do today. So Lord, as they open their heart and ask you, signified by them standing to their feet, that they hate what it is that's holding them back. I ask you, Lord Jesus, deliver them from that which is keeping them from becoming everything your blueprint has designed them to become. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would be so sensitive to whatever it is that if it begins to even remotely raise its head, they will declare the name of Jesus Christ and declare that there was a collision that took place in July of 2019 where that got put to rest because the deliverer showed up and we were there to receive. And victory is claimed. We pray these things in the name of Jesus the Savior of the world, and the Savior of our lives. I want to ask you to remain standing in solidarity. I ain't dragging this out. Is there anybody here? You're dead inside. don't feel it but you also don't feel God and in your sin you know that you need Jesus to wash you clean with those who had the courage to stand they support you I'm asking you At some point, you're going to get tired of lugging around this baggage. Jesus took care of it on the cross. And today you're saying, I receive him. I make him the Lord of 
my life on the power and authority of the Word of God. If that's you, stand up now. Just stand up and say, that's me. That's me. I need Jesus. That's me. You're like, I, 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 I serve here. I can't stand up. I mean, you know what? Nothing would make me more happy than to know somebody that's volunteering at Living Water wants to be right with God. So just surprise some folks today. If you're here and you need Jesus, you know it. Stand up, man. Listen to me. I don't have people in the back that are going to come to you and take you into a little room and lecture you. No, 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 no. Jesus came here to do something. I'm not going to get in the way of that. I'm inviting you to be receptive to what he wants to deliver. Anyone. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Who else? Who else? Five seconds. God said, we're going. Would the rest of you stand with me, please? Let's agree together. Father, forgive us of our sin. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to pay for our sin. Oh, the, the perfect sacrifice. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for quickening us, for bringing us back to life when we didn't even realize we were dead. Forgive us. We receive your forgiveness, Jesus. We receive your forgiveness, and we're not going to live under the condemnation any longer. Holy Spirit, I would ask, rest. Rest upon men and women and bring about a spirit of peace. A spirit of confidence knowing that they've made the best decision of their life. All glory and all honor let's do your name King Jesus we lift you up and we pray these things in your name. Amen and amen. Give him a shout of praise for what he's done. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for hearing what God laid on my heart. Don't forget today. Come back. Give us a hand or two as we transform this place into the Wild West. We're halfway there already. I love you guys. Have a great week.